So just a little bit of a, of a, as we would say today, I guess, trigger warning for those who might not want to explain some of what I'm going to explain about Unix here in just a little bit to the kids. If you are not interested in having to go down the road about that, then, you know, figure out what you're going to do. I'm going to give you just a few seconds to do that. For those of you who are here, you're captive, so too bad. But first, as I give you some time for that, who knows who Philip is? We're doing a great job teaching you about the Bible. Yes, we are. Philip. Philip is one of the seven folks chosen to minister outside of what the apostles are doing after Jesus ascends. What happened was in Jerusalem, where they were mostly staying, the apostles that were left, they were attending to, you know, worship and teaching and doing all these things. But what was happening is the community was also a serving community. And they were taking care of widows and orphans. And depending on the time period, there was a food shortage. And so they were having to figure out how to get food to these widows and orphans and such. And so they were getting pulled by all these different responsibilities. And so they were like, oh, the Holy Spirit's saying that we ought to designate some really wonderful people to serve in this way. And I, and I really think this is one of the reasons why in many Presbyterian churches we have deacons. And so we might think of Philip as one of the first deacons. They were charged with doing different service. But he becomes known as Philip the Evangelist, which I think is interesting. Because Philip, through the Holy Spirit, gets called to go teach people about Jesus. And so he's one of the seven of these folks. And so, again, an angel of the Lord, we believe it's the Holy Spirit, right? And the Spirit's also there and whisks him away at the end. But an angel of the Lord said, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. And if you look on a map of that time, I mean, it doesn't look like that big of a journey, but, but it is through an area that looks, that sort of looks a little more desolate at the time that isn't very populated. And, and you have to understand something about wilderness in Israel or in this area is it's not like wilderness like I think Americans think of. Americans think of wilderness as trees and dense underbrush and, and that sort of thing. In Israel, wilderness is basically big rolling hills of sand, I guess is the best way to put it. It's, it's pretty desolate. It's not desert, but it is pretty arid. There are lots, and along these kinds of roads, there, there might be bandits and, and folks hiding. As you often hear about people who traveled from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which is near the Dead Sea, like there were bandits who would hide in the caves. And when you drive that, you see all these little pockets and places where people could hide. And so if you, you could easily get taken advantage of. And so this is a wilderness road or a more deserted road. It's very interesting that this little thing is, is added there. And so maybe not a place where Philip would want to go on his own. I don't know. So he got up and went. That's the other thing I like about this is Philip is so, as we would say today, sold out to what he has been called to do. And he doesn't just do what he's been asked to do, right? He's, he's supposed to be the, one of these deacons, one of these serving folks. He's supposed to be perhaps doing, but the spirit or the angel of the Lord says, hey, I want you to go, I want you to go down on this road. He doesn't tell him 
Why? Go here, walk on this road. So we got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch. I just, I told you what Ethiopian meant, right? A burnt face. And also we know now there's Ethiopia, right? But that comes out of this, I believe. That, and this eunuch, we'll get to that in a minute, was a court official of the Candace. That's not the name of the queen. That is like the title of the queen. Whoever was the chief ruling monarch, or wouldn't be monarch, of of the Ethiopians was a female and was the Candace. At least that's how the English transliteration of it. And so this eunuch is pretty high up in charge of the entire treasury of the queen of this region. Now, what's a eunuch? A eunuch is someone who was born male who's been castrated. They may have been castrated willingly or unwillingly. In some places, they were, it was unwillingly because from a young age, perhaps, they were designated to become servants of a female. And so they didn't want them to have the emotions and desires of a male. This was a, this was a way in, in these times to keep the female safe from the wiles of men who had desires. And to be able to have those who were formerly men serve them and protect them. And so we don't know. We don't know the backstory of this, this Ethiopian where whether he at some point chose this life willingly and said, I want to serve in this way. And so, you know, became, was made a eunuch or whether this was something chosen for him. There have been sermons preached both ways about this, which I find interesting. But we just don't know. Some things that we, well, and another thing we don't know is we don't, never named. Never named. In this, in this passage, and just remember Luke and Acts are written by the same person. So the writer of Luke Acts chooses not to name this person. But in this passage, he's only called Ethiopian once. He's called the eunuch five times. So I think I find that interesting because there's something about that that seems to be important or just a designator. But what we do know about this person is that it says he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Well, why, why would an Ethiopian eunuch be coming to Jerusalem to worship? Well, the speculation is because later we find out that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah is that he was a God-fearer, a Gentile who was seeking to follow the Jewish ways, a proselyte, we might call them. And so he had come to Jerusalem. The other thing that we know is clearly, clearly he had either power or wealth because he's not walking. Got a driver. Just like today, if you've got a driver, you probably have some position and status. What else do we know about the Ethiopian eunuch? What's he doing? He's reading. Right? So he's been educated. 
And at the time, you might think it's funny, like Philip comes up beside and he hears him reading Isaiah. Well, at the time, throughout much of the time, I think up until St. Augustine, actually, I think that's right, people read aloud. That's how they, that's how they were taught to read. They, they read it aloud. Supposedly, like St. Augustine like, was like, oh, you should you know, quietly observe things. And so you began to read silently. I mean, you know how it is. Like, we think people are stupid if they're reading aloud now. I think it's interesting how that has shifted. But he's reading aloud. So as Philip comes up, he begins to hear him. So probably a God-fearer, wealthy, educated, also a eunuch. So that's an interesting thing as well, because in the Old Testament scriptures, it does say that anyone who is sexually disfigured, it probably doesn't say it with those English words, but anyone who is sexually disfigured may not worship in the temple. And as a Gentile, he wouldn't have made it past the court of the Gentiles anyway, but we don't even know as someone who's sexually disfigured as a eunuch, if this person, even with their wealth and their education, could have made it even into the court of the Gentiles for worship. So there's some sexual ambiguity here, which I think is is very interesting. Because again, the writer says eunuch five times. Just keeps talking about this. This seems to be somewhat important. And so here we are, Philip called upon this wilderness road, not knowing why. And so Philip, the spirit then says, go over to this chariot and join it. Philip runs up to it. He hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? Here's the other thing we know about the eunuch is he must be somewhat humble because he says, well, how can I unless someone guides me? This eunuch understands that even as much as he knows, because clearly he's educated, and we might presume that he's also somewhat devout or at least seeking God because reading the prophet Isaiah, but how can I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to get up. So this random dude comes walking up beside him. Who knows what Philip looks like? Philip's a Jew. The Ethiopian eunuch is a Gentile. Invites him into the chariot to explain to him what's going on. How can I unless someone guides me? He doesn't have any idea who Philip is. At least it doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't get that backstory if there's some sort of introduction or whatever. And so the passage of scripture that he's reading is from the suffering servant or the servant passages in Isaiah. What's interesting also is in Isaiah, there is some teaching about eunuchs. That eunuchs who faithfully observe the Sabbath will be welcome in God's kingdom. Isn't that interesting that this eunuch is reading the prophet Isaiah? You wonder if this eunuch as a God-seeker, a God-fearer, is, is looking for where am I welcome? Am I welcome here? And so then... The eunuch asks Philip, well, who is this person talking about as he, as, as he talks about the sheep led to the slaughter and all of this sort of thing? And this is part of the tradition where those who believed in Jesus saw the suffering servant in Isaiah, Jesus as the fulfillment of who the suffering servant was supposed to be. Because the suffering servant was supposed to come and to give their life and to lead the people into a new way. So Philip begins to speak and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. 
And as they were going along the road, they come to some water and the eunuch says, hey, there's some water here. What's to prevent me from being baptized? Well, just stop for a moment and think about this. What does prevent him from being baptized? Well, he's not a Jew. So, if are we allowing Gentiles to be part of the Christian community yet or not? I'm sure that's still a question that's going on. The eunuch is sexually disfigured, so is this person welcome in the community of faith? There are all kinds of questions. What's to prevent me? Well, all kinds of things could prevent you. I mean, think about the ways that we prevent people from coming into the family of God or, or the ways that we sort of orchestrate our communities of faith and say, here's who's in and here's who's out and here's who's welcome and here's who's not. I mean, today we're still talking about people who are, I'm going to use quotation marks now, sexually disfigured according to some of the ways that we think about it. Right? They don't adhere to the norms of what we thought were norms. Or to put it more bluntly, they're not straight. We're still having these arguments and fights today. There are churches where if you understand yourself in some sort of, in the spectrum of LGBTQ+, that you are not welcome in the church. Oh, well, you're welcome, but you're going to, but you're going to have, you mean, things are going to have to change for you. What's to prevent me from being baptized? And so he commands the carriage to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down in the water and Philip baptizes him. I love this. There's just so much about this that's about what the book of Acts is trying to tell us, which is about the expansion and the welcome of the gospel and the good news of Christ, that that Jesus didn't just die the way we think about it for the people who say the right things and live the right life and do all those things. Jesus died once for all to forgive all of sin and brokenness. And so, when they came up out of the water, I love that the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. What a great word. So somehow Philip leaves and, you know, goes off to do more of, of what Philip is doing as an evangelist. Philip is an evangelist now. We don't know, we don't know what happened with this eunuch, but but can you just imagine for a moment, imagine, let's, let's just, we'll just make some presumptions. Imagine that this eunuch went to Jerusalem hoping to worship God, but was not, you know, was able to be around the people, but maybe couldn't go in. Had been denied all this time. And now, Philip explains who Jesus is and says, he did this for you. And the eunuch is so taken by that, he's like, well, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that community. I want, to be, I want to be grafted onto that vine. In our lives, I think some of us probably feel like the eunuch. Maybe we don't know exactly where we fit in. Maybe, maybe we've done things in order to fit in in certain places, but we, maybe we've lost ourselves a little bit. 
or we hide parts of ourselves because we're ashamed of them or because the culture or the society or the church says that, that that's not welcome here. Sometimes maybe we're like Philip where we're called on the wilderness road and we don't know what the purpose is and so maybe we just say no because we don't know what it means. We want to know what the end of that thing is before we get started. Lord, I'm an outcome-based person, man. I want to know where we're going. Like, what's the destination? I'm trying to figure out how to enjoy the journey these days, but man, I, I really, you know, the getting to where we're going is not so exciting for me. It's the where we're going. But I think that God wants us to enjoy it all. We get called at times into places where we might not exactly know what our role is going to be. And if we open ourselves to the Spirit, we might find that we get to be the ones to explain to people and to welcome people into this community that we call the community of Christ, the people of the way. But we are all called, welcomed, because Jesus followed the way. He followed the way of the cross. That was the first and the real wilderness road. We believe he knew where it was going, and yet it was a difficult journey. And he went down that road for you, and for me, and for all people. He gave his life that we might know what life is, that we might set aside where we think we're going in order to go where Jesus is leading us. And so wherever you are on that wilderness road today, may you know that the Spirit and the Father and the Son are with you and are leading you and have redeemed you. Amen.